Chapter Two, Part Two of A Divine Cordial. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Chestnut. A Divine Cordial by Thomas Watson. Chapter Two. The Worst Things Work for Good to the Godly. Part 2. 3. The Evil of Desertion Works for Good to the Godly. The evil of desertion works for good. The spouse complains of desertion. My beloved hath withdrawn himself and was gone. Canticles 5 6. There is a twofold withdrawing, either in regard of grace when God suspends the influence of his spirit and withholds the lively actings of grace. If the spirit be gone, grace freezes into a chillness and indolence, or a withdrawing in regard of comfort. When God withholds the sweet manifestation of his favor, he does not look with such a pleasant aspect, but veils his face, and seems to be quite gone from the soul. God is just in all his withdrawings. We desert him before he deserts us. We desert God when we leave off close communion with him, when we desert his truths and dare not appear for him, when we leave the guidance and conduct of his word and follow the deceitful light of our own corrupt affections and passions. We usually desert God first. Therefore, we have none to blame but ourselves. Desertion is very sad, for as when the light is withdrawn, darkness follows in the air, so when God withdraws, there is darkness and sorrow in the soul. Desertion is an agony of conscience. God holds the soul over hell. The arrows of the Almighty are within me. The poison whereof drinks up my spirits. Job 6, 4 it was a custom among the Persians in their wars to dip their arrows in the poison of serpents to make them more deadly. Thus did God shoot the poisoned arrow of desertion into Job, under the wounds of which his spirit lay bleeding. In times of desertion, the people of God are apt to be dejected. They dispute against themselves and think that God has quite cast them off. Therefore I shall prescribe some comfort to the deserted soul. The mariner, when he has no star to guide him, yet he has light in his lantern, which is of some help to him to see his compass. So I shall lay down four consolations which are as the mariner's lantern, to give some light when the poor soul is sailing in the dark of desertion and wants the morning star. 1. None but the godly are capable of desertion. Wicked men know not what God's love means, nor what it is to want it. They know what it is to want health, friends, trade, but not what it is to want God's favor. You fear you are not God's child because you are deserted. The Lord cannot be said to withdraw his love from the wicked because they never had it. The being deserted evidences you to be a child of God. How could you complain that God has estranged himself if you had not sometimes received smiles and tokens of love from him? 2. There may be the seed of grace where there is not the flower of joy. 
the earth may want a crop of corn yet may have a mine of gold within a christian may have grace within though the sweet fruit of joy does not grow vessels at sea that are richly fraught with jewels and spices may be in the dark and tossed in the storm a soul enriched with the treasures of grace may yet be in the dark of desertion and so tossed as to think it shall be cast away in the storm david in a state of dejection prays take not thy holy spirit from me psalm fifty one eleven he does not pray says augustine lord give me thy spirit but take not away thy spirit so that still he had the spirit of god remaining in him three these desertions are but for a time christ may withdraw and leave the soul a while but he will come again in a little wrath i hid my face from thee for a moment but with everlasting kindness will i have mercy on thee isaiah fifty four eight when it is dead low water the tide will come in again i will not be always wroth for the spirit should fail before me and the souls which i have made isaiah fifty seven sixteen the tender mother sets down her child in anger but she will take it up again into her arms and kiss it god may put away the soul in anger but he will take it up again into his dear embraces and display the banner of love over it four these desertions work for good to the godly desertion cures the soul of sloth we find the spouse fallen upon the bed of sloth i sleep canticles five two and presently christ was gone my beloved hath withdrawn himself canticles five six who will speak to one that is drowsy desertion cures inordinate affection to the world love not the world first john two fifteen we may hold the world as a posy in our hand but it must not lie too near our heart we may use it as an inn where we take a meal but it must not be our home perhaps these secular things steal away the heart too much good men are sometimes sick with a surfeit and drunk with the luscious delights of prosperity and having spotted their silver wings of grace and much defaced god's image by rubbing it against the earth the lord to recover them of this hides his face in a cloud this eclipse has good effects it darkens all the glory of the world and causes it to disappear desertion works for good as it makes the saints prize god's countenance more than ever thy loving kindness is better than life psalm sixty three three yet the commonness of this mercy lessens it in our esteem when pearls grew common at rome they began to be slighted god has no better way to make us value his love than by withdrawing it a while if the sun shone but once a year how would it be prized when the soul has been long benighted with desertion oh how welcome now is the return of the sun of righteousness desertion works for good as it is the means of embittering sin to us can there be a greater misery than to have god's displeasure what makes hell but the hiding of god's face 
and what makes God hide his face but sin. They have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. John twenty thirteen. So our sins have taken away the Lord, and we know not where he is laid. The favor of God is the best jewel. It can sweeten a prison and unsting death. Oh, how odious then is that sin which robs us of our best jewel. Sin made God desert his temple. Ezekiel 8, 6. Sin causes him to appear as an enemy and dress himself in armor. This makes the soul pursue sin with a holy malice and seek to be avenged of it. The deserted soul gives sin gall and vinegar to drink, and with the spear of mortification lets out the heart blood of it. Desertion works for good, as it sets the soul to weeping for the loss of God. When the sun is gone, the dew falls, and when God is gone, tears drop from the eyes. How Micah was troubled when he had lost his gods! Ye have taken away my gods, and what have I more? Judges 18.24 So when God is gone, what have we more? It is not the harp and viol can comfort when God is gone. Though it be sad to want God's presence, yet it is good to lament his absence. Desertion sets the soul seeking after God. When Christ was departed, the spouse pursues after him. She seeks him in the streets of the city. Canticles 3, 2 And not having found him, she makes a hue and cry after him. Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? Canticles 3, 3 The deserted soul sends up whole volleys of sighs and groans. It knocks at heaven's gate by prayer. It can have no rest till the golden beams of God's face shine. Desertion puts the Christian upon inquiry. He inquires the cause of God's departure. What is the accursed thing that has made God angry? Perhaps pride? Perhaps surfeit on ordinances? Perhaps worldliness? For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wrath. I hid me. Isaiah 57.17 Perhaps there is some secret sin allowed. A stone in the pipe hinders the current of water. So, sin lived in hinders the sweet current of God's love. Thus conscience, as a bloodhound, having found out sin and overtaken it, this Aachen is stoned to death. Desertion works for good, as it gives us a sight of what Jesus Christ suffered for us. If the sipping of the cup be so bitter, how bitter was that which Christ drank upon the cross? He drank a cup of deadly poison, which made him cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27:46. None can so appreciate Christ's sufferings. None can be so fired with the love to Christ as those who have been humbled by desertion and have been held over the flames of hell for a time. Desertion works for good as it prepares the saints for future comfort. The nipping frosts prepare for spring flowers. It is God's way first to cast down, then to comfort. 2 Corinthians 7, 6 when our Savior had been fasting, 
Then came the angels and ministered to him. When the Lord has kept his people long fasting, then he sends the Comforter and feeds them with the hidden manna. Light is sown for the righteous. Psalms 92.11 The saints' comforts may be hidden like seed underground, but the seed is ripening and will increase and flourish into a crop. These desertions work for good, as they will make heaven the sweeter to us. Here our comforts are like the moon. Sometimes they are in the full, sometimes in the wane. God shows himself to us a while, and then retires from us. How will this set off heaven the more, and make it more delightful and ravishing, when we shall have a constant aspect of love from God? 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Thus we see desertions work for good. The Lord brings us into the deep of desertion, that he may not bring us into the deep of damnation. He puts us into a seeming hell, that he may keep us from a real hell. God is fitting us for that time when we shall enjoy his smiles forever, when there shall be neither clouds in his face or sun setting, when Christ shall come and stay with his spouse, and the spouse shall never say again, My beloved hath withdrawn himself. 4. The evil of sin works for good to the godly. Sin in its own nature is damnable, but God, in his infinite wisdom, overrules it and causes good to arise from that which seems most to oppose it. Indeed, it is a matter of wonder that any honey should come out of this lion. We may understand it in a double sense. 1. The sins of others are overruled for the good to the godly. It is no small trouble to a gracious heart to live among the wicked. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach! Psalms 120, 5. Yet even this the Lord turns to good. For, 1. The sins of others work for good to the godly as they produce holy sorrow. God's people weep for what they cannot reform. Rivers of tears run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Psalm 119, 136. David was a mourner for the sins of the times. His heart was turned into a spring, and his eyes into rivers. Wicked men make merry with sin. When thou doest evil, even thou rejoicest. Jeremiah 11.15 But the godly are weeping doves. They grieve for the oaths and blasphemies of the age. The sins of others, like spears, pierce their souls. This grieving for the sins of others is good. It shows a childlike heart to resent with sorrow the injuries done to our Heavenly Father. It also shows a Christ-like heart. He was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Mark 3, 5 The Lord takes special notice of these tears. He likes it well that we should weep when His glory suffers. It argues more grace to grieve for the sins of others than for our own. We may grieve for our own sins out of fear of hell, but to grieve for the sins of others is from a principle of love to God. These tears drop as water from the roses. They are sweet and fragrant, and God puts them in his bottle. 2. The sins of others work for good to the godly, as they set them the more a-praying against sin. 
if there were not such a spirit of wickedness abroad perhaps there would not be such a spirit of prayer crying sins cause crying prayers the people of god pray against the iniquity of the times that god will give a check to sin that he will put sin to the blush if they cannot pray down sin they pray against it and this god takes kindly these prayers shall both be recorded and rewarded though we do not prevail in prayer we shall not lose our prayers my prayer returned into mine own bosom psalm thirty five thirteen three the sins of others work for good as they make us the more in love with grace the sins of others are a foil to set off the lustre of grace the more one contrary sets off another deformity sets off beauty the sins of the wicked do much disfigure them pride is a disfiguring sin now the beholding another's pride makes us the more in love with humility malice is a disfiguring sin it is the devil's picture the more of this we see in others the more we love meekness and charity drunkenness is a disfiguring sin it turns men into beasts it deprives of the use of reason the more intemperate we see others the more we must love sobriety the black face of sin sets off the beauty of holiness so much the more four the sins of others work for good as they work in us the stronger opposition against sin the wicked have made void thy law therefore i love thy commandments psalm 119 126 and 127 david had never loved god's law so much if the wicked had not set themselves so much against it the more violent others are against the truth the more valiant the saints are for it living fish swim against the stream the more the tide of sin comes in the more the godly swim against it the impieties of the times provoke holy passions in the saints that anger is without sin which is against sin the sins of others are as a whetstone to set the sharper edge upon us they whet our zeal and indignation against sin the more five the sins of others work for good as they make us more earnest in working out our salvation when we see wicked men take such pains for hell this makes us more industrious for heaven the wicked have nothing to encourage them yet they sin they venture shame and disgrace they break through all opposition scripture is against them and conscience is against them there is a flaming sword in the way yet they sin godly hearts seeing the wicked thus mad for the forbidden fruit and wearing out themselves in the devil's service are the more emboldened and quickened in the ways of god they will take heaven as it were by storm the wicked are swift dromedaries in sin jeremiah two twenty three and do we creep like snails in religion shall impure sinners do the devil more service than we do christ shall they make more haste to a prison than we do to a kingdom are they never weary of sinning and we are weary of praying have we not a better master than they are not the paths of virtue pleasant is not there a joy in the way of duty 
and heaven at the end? The activity of the sons of Belial in sin is a spur to the godly to make them mend their pace and run the faster to heaven. 6. The sins of others work for good, as they are glasses in which we may see our own hearts. Do we see a flagitious, impious sinner? Behold a picture of our hearts. Such should we be if God did leave us. What is in other men's practice is in our nature. Sin in the wicked is like fire on a beacon that flames and blazes forth. Sin in the godly is like fire in the embers. Christian, though you do not break forth into a flame of scandal, yet you have no cause to boast, for there is much sin raked up in the embers of your nature. You have the root of bitterness in you, and would bear as hellish fruit as any, if God did not either curb you by his power, or change you by his grace. 7. The sins of others work for good, as they are the means of making the people of God more thankful. When you see another infected with the plague, how thankful you are that God has preserved you from it. It is a good use that may be made of the sins of others to make us more thankful. Why might not God have left us to the same excess of riot? Think with yourself, O Christian, why should God be more propitious to you than to another? Why should he take you out of the wild olive of nature and not him? How may this make you to adore free grace? What the Pharisee said boastingly, we may say thankfully. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, etc. Luke 28:11. So we should adore the riches of grace, that we are not as others, drunkards, swearers, Sabbath-breakers. Every time we see men hasting on in sin, we are to bless God, we are not such. If we see a frenzied person, we bless God, it is not so with us. Much more when we see others under the power of Satan, we should make our thankful acknowledgement that it is not our condition. Let us not think lightly of sin. 8. The sins of others work for good, as they are a means of making God's people better. Christian, God can make you a gainer by another's sin. The more unholy others are, the more holy you should be. The more a wicked man gives himself to sin, the more a godly man gives himself to prayer. But I give myself to prayer. Psalm 109.4 9. The sins of others work for good, as they give an occasion to us of doing good. Were there no sinners, we could not be in such a capacity for service. The godly are often the means of converting the wicked. Their prudent advice and pious example is a lure and a bait to draw sinners to the embracing of the gospel. The disease of the patient works for the good of the physician. By emptying the patient of noxious humors, the physician enriches himself. So, by converting sinners from the error of their ways, our crown comes to be enlarged. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars for ever and ever. Daniel 12.31 Not as lamps or tapers, but as the stars for ever. 
Thus we see the sins of others are overruled for our good. 2. The sense of their own sinfulness will be overruled for the good of the godly. Thus our own sins shall work for good. This must be understood warily, when I say the sins of the godly work for good, not that there is the least good in sin. Sin is like poison which corrupts the blood, infects the heart, and, without a sovereign antidote, brings death. Such is the venomous nature of sin. It is deadly and damning. Sin is worse than hell, but yet God, by his mighty, overruling power, makes sin and the issue turn to the good of his people. Hence the golden saying of Augustine, God would never permit evil if he could not bring good out of evil. The feeling of sinfulness in the saints works for good several ways. 1. Sin makes them weary of this life. That sin is in the godly is sad, but that it is a burden is good. St. Paul's afflictions, pardon the expression, were but a play to him in comparison of his sin. He rejoiced in tribulation, 2 Corinthians 7, 4. But how did this bird of paradise weep and bemoan himself under his sins? Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 7, 24. A believer carries his sins as a prisoner his shackles. Oh, how does he long for the day of release? This sense of sin is good. 2. This in being of corruption makes the saints prize Christ more. He that feels his sin as a sick man feels his sickness, how welcome is Christ the physician to him? He that feels himself stunned with sin how precious is the brazen serpent to him! When Paul had cried out of a body of death, how thankful was he for Christ! I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7.25 Christ's blood saves from sin, and is the sacred ointment which kids this quicksilver. 3. This sense of sin works for good, as it is an occasion of putting the soul upon six especial duties. a. It puts the soul upon self-searching. A child of God, being conscious of sin, takes the candle and lantern of the Word and searches into his heart. He desires to know the worst of himself, as a man who is diseased in body desires to know the worst of his disease. Though our joy lies in the knowledge of our graces, Yet there is some benefit in the knowledge of our corruptions. Therefore Job prays, Make me to know my transgressions. Job 13.23 It is good to know our sins, that we may not flatter ourselves, or take our condition to be better than it is. It is good to find out our sins, lest they find us out. B. The inheritance of sin puts a child of God upon self-abasing. Sin is left in a godly man as a cancer in the breast, or a hunch upon the back, to keep him from being proud. Gravel and dirt are good to ballast a ship and keep it from overturning. The sense of sin helps to ballast the soul, that it be not overturned with vain glory. We read of the spots of God's children, 
Deuteronomy 32.5 When a godly man beholds his face in the glass of Scripture and sees the spots of infidelity and hypocrisy, this makes the plumes of pride fall. They are humbling spots. It is a good use that may be made even of our sins when they occasion low thoughts of ourselves. Better is that sin which humbles me than that duty which makes me proud. Holy Bradford uttered these words of himself, I am a painted hypocrite, and Hooper said, Lord, I am hell, and thou art heaven. C. Sin puts a child of God on self-judging. He passes a sentence upon himself. I am more brutish than any man. Proverbs 30, 2. It is dangerous to judge others, but it is good to judge ourselves. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. 1 Corinthians 11.31 When a man has judged himself, Satan is put out of office. When he lays anything to a saint's charge, he is able to retort and say, It is true, Satan, I am guilty of these sins, but I have judged myself already for them, and having condemned myself in the lower court of conscience, God will acquit me in the upper court of heaven. D. Sin puts a child of God upon self-conflicting. Spiritual self conflicts with carnal self. The spirit lusts against the flesh. Galatians 5.17 Our life is a wafering life and a warfaring life. There is a duel fought every day between the two seeds. A believer will not let sin have peaceable possession. If he cannot keep sin out, he will keep sin under. Though he cannot quite overcome, yet he is overcoming. To him that is overcoming. Revelations 2, 7 E. Sin puts a child of God upon self-observing. He knows sin is a bosom traitor, therefore he carefully observes himself. A subtle heart needs a watchful eye. The heart is like a castle that is in danger every hour to be assaulted. This makes a child of God to be always a sentinel and keep a guard about his heart. A believer has a strict eye over himself, lest he fall into any scandalous enormity and so open a sluice to let all his comfort run out. F. Sin puts the soul upon self-reforming. A child of God does not only find out sin, but drives out sin. One foot he sets upon the neck of his sins, and the other foot he turns to God's testimonies. Psalms 119.59 Thus the sins of the godly work for good. God makes the saints' maladies their medicines. But let none abuse this doctrine. I do not say that sin works for good to an impenitent person. No, it works for his damnation. But it works for good to them that love God, and for you that are godly, I know you will not draw a wrong conclusion from this, either to make light of sin or to make bold with sin. If you should do so, God will make it cost you dear. Remember David, he ventured presumptuously on sin, and what did he get? He lost his peace, he felt the terrors of the Almighty in his soul, 
though he had all helps to cheerfulness. He was a king, he had skill in music, yet nothing could administer comfort to him. He complains of his broken bones. Psalm 51, 8 And though he did at last come out of that dark cloud, yet some divines are of opinion that he never recovered his full joy to his dying day. If any of God's people should be tampering with sin, because God can turn it to good, though the Lord does not damn them, he may send them to hell in this life. He may put them into such bitter agonies and soul convulsions as may fill them full of horror and make them draw nigh to despair. Let this be a flaming sword to keep them from coming near the forbidden tree. And thus I have shown that both the best things and the worst things by the overruling hand of the great God do work together for the good of the saints. Again I say, think not lightly of sin. End of chapter 2, part 2 Recording by Jeff Chestnut